If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Verdict with Senator Ted Cruz. Ben Ferguson with you. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend with your family and friends. And Senator, we've got a lot to talk about, including some shocking new news uh, that uh, deals with a Comer subpoena of Mayorkas. Uh, The Secret Service over a tip-off of the 2020 Hunter Biden tax probe interview. Now, I want you to remind people about this because this is something we've gone in depth with Comer on on this show. Uh, We did that two-part series with him. James uh, James Comer talked about how how interesting this was, that there was a tip-off that you would actually let people know in advance of what you were trying to gain from them when it comes to an investigation. Well, this is something we've discussed at length on Verdict, which is the allegations from two separate whistleblowers, senior career uh, IRS employees, uh, that the Biden Justice Department, the Biden administration were in effect obstructing justice, that they were blocking for Hunter Biden. They were preventing any investigation of Joe Biden. And one of the aspects of it is when the investigators wanted to go and interview Hunter Biden. Now, that's a typical part of an investigation. You go and try and interview uh, the the target of the investigation and see if, frankly, they'll say something dumb. Well, in this instance, unfortunately, in the Biden administration, the, the political higher-ups at the Department of Justice, allegedly, according to the whistleblowers, gave a heads-up to the Secret Service and said, hey, these guys want to investigate Hunter and enabled him to prepare. They also gave heads up to Hunter's lawyers uh, when they wanted to execute a search warrant on finding documents and evidence of criminal activity. And, and so what has happened this week is, is that James Comer and the House of Representatives has subpoenaed the Department of Homeland Security, and, and they're seeking documents. They're also seeking depositions. So, so there were a total of six subpoenas sent on Tuesday. One directed at Secretary Mayorkas for documents and the remaining five for depositions, two to Secret Service officials and three to DHS officials. So right now, these subpoenas are not seeking to question Mayorkas directly, but rather people that report to Mayorkas. But the entire focus of it is to what extent is the Biden administration blocking using government resources to protect Hunter Biden, and remember the critical question is to protect Joe Biden from investigation, and this is yet another example of the 
only source of this investigation going forward being the Republican House of Representatives, because the Democrat Senate has zero interest in finding out what happened and, and whether or not Joe Biden has taken bribes from foreign nationals. And most of the corporate media likewise has no interest. So it is the House of Representatives that's driving this forward, and they're doing it even more so this week. I want you to have people to hear this is how this news broke, and it's not shocking, but it certainly is going to be significant. So some breaking news to tell you about here. Foxnews.com has just discovered that the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer, has subpoenaed the DHS secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, and several other DHS and Secret Service officials wanting testimony related to the Secret Service's alleged tip-off of the Biden transition team regarding a planned ta- Hunter Biden tax probe uh, interview back in 2020, uh, also accusing the agencies of obstruction of the congressional investigation. Six subpoenas in total were sent out, one directed to Mayorkas for documents and five for depositions, two to Secret Service officials and three to DHS officials. Uh, Comer told Fox News Digital, quote, the Department of Justice initiated the Biden family cover-up and now DHS under the leadership of Secretary Mayorkas is complicit in it. He went on to say investigators were never able to interview Hunter Biden during the criminal investigation because Secret Service headquarters and the Biden transition team were tipped off about the planned interview. We'll keep following this. I love how they broke this story. So my next question is, if you were getting to ask the question, Senators, what would you want to know and what would you ask if you're on the House side and these people are, 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 being, are able to be brought in? And what would you hope those answers would be from them if they are actually truthful? Well, look, the, the central question here is to what extent did the Biden administration engage in obstruction of justice? To what extent did they block the criminal investigation into the misconduct of Hunter Biden and, more importantly, Joe Biden? We've got multiple whistleblowers that allege they did so con- considerably. Here's what I think is going to play out, Ben. Um, I think we're going to see the House of Representatives impeach Alejandro Mayorkas. That's something, as you know, I've been calling for for almost the entirety of the Biden administration. I think Mayorkas has presided over the worst disaster at our southern border in our nation's history. I think he is responsible very directly for implementing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's directives that have produced body bag after body bag, that have produced chaos and misery and suffering and death, and that has been utterly lawless. I think that will happen, number one. Number two, I think what should happen, but frankly, I'm less confident that it will happen, is I think the House ought to pursue the impeachment of Merrick Garland, that I think the serious, credible allegations of obstruction of justice and of lying under oath under Merrick Garland, they merit a special counsel being appointed in the Department of Justice. They also merit the House of Representatives opening an impeachment inquiry into Merrick Garland. That I'm less confident that they will go forward with than than I am about Alejandro Mayorkas. I think the pressure on going after Mayorkas is greater, unfortunately, than the pressure on going after Merrick Garland. The third thing that I think the House will do is formally open an impeachment inquiry on Joe Biden. At this point, the evidence that Joe Biden personally solicited and received bribes from foreign nationals whether it is Ukrainian oligarchs or Russian oligarchs or senior Chinese communist officials, that evidence is considerable. It's not proven conclusively, but at this point, the weight of the evidence is such that I think the only responsible thing for the the, the House to do is open an impeachment inquiry. 
To do so, we'll take a full vote on the floor of the House. I think we'll get that vote, and I think the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, wants that inquiry to open up. Now, I'll tell you one of the real consequences. If and when the House opens an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, it is going to increase dramatically the likelihood that we will get access to the some 5,400 emails that Joe Biden sent using fake email addresses, using pseudonyms, and those include emails sent to his son, Hunter Biden, who is not and was not a, a federal government employee. That in, those include emails that allegedly concern Ukraine while Hunter Biden was getting paid millions of dollars from corrupt Ukrainian oligarchs in order to try to secure favors from his father. Um, and the reason that opening an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden is so important is right now the House is seeking access to those 5,400 emails uh, from the, the National Archives. And the National Archives is following a statute called the Presidential Rec Records Act. And so in order to hand those emails o over, the National Archives needs the permission of Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Now, I'm going to quantify right now the precise statistical likelihood that Barack Obama and Joe Biden will give permission to, to hand over those emails. That exact likelihood is 0.000%. They're not going to do so. Actually, Biden gets asked twice. He gets asked both as the former vice president and as the current president. So he can so say no twice. Now, why does an impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden matter? It matters because under the terms of the Presidential Records Act, special access to presidential records is allowed to Congress, quote, to the extent of matter within its jurisdiction to any committee, if such records contain information that is needed for the conduct of its business that is not otherwise available. So in other words, if and when the House formally votes to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden, it suddenly has explicit statutory authorization to get access to all 5,400 of those emails from Joe Biden's fake email addresses. And again, as we've discussed on this podcast many times, there is no legitimate reason for Joe Biden to have fake email addresses. There's no legitimate reason for him to have burner phones, which, which he allegedly also had. And, and so I think the odds are quite good, number one, that we see impeachment of, of Alejandro Mayorkas, but number two, that we see the House formally open an impeachment inquiry into Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., I want to tell you about our friends at Augusta Precious Metals. You know where interest rates are right now. They're at a 21-year high on homes. We've seen what's been happening in the Biden economy. As much as they say Bidenomics is working, you know it's not. And the question is, how do you protect your hard-earned assets? Well, that is exactly why I want you to know about Augusta Precious Metals. Augusta Precious Metals can help you protect your hard-earned dollars with an IRA or a 401k that actually has gold in it. Yes. That's exactly what can happen. It's shocking if you look at what happened last year. Uh, on average, IRAs and 401k balances fell 20% last year, according to Fidelity. Now, many people didn't expect that, but here's something that could have helped you protect your hard-earned dollars, and that is physical gold in your IRA. The World Gold Council says even central banks are buying tons of gold. So what does that tell you? Well, if you want to know why I invest in gold and why so many others are, and protecting their assets 
call Augusta Precious Metals. Not only will they send you their free investor's guide on gold, but they'll do a one-on-one web conference to answer all of your questions and tell you if gold isn't right for you. The number, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877, the number 4, GOLD-IRA. Or visit them online at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. That's AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Dot com eight seven seven the number four gold IRA or Augusta Precious Metals dot com Senator uh, Democrats I do believe are now starting to worry about the idea of impeachment. The reason why you can see it is on the Sunday morning shows. Um, Congressman Kana, uh, Ro Kana had this to say when he was talking uh, with one of those guys that you know hates obviously Donald Trump, Jim Acosta, on CNN about the evidence to go after impeachment. Listen. And House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says Republicans could soon vote on a formal impeachment inquiry into President Biden, something uh, obviously the former president has pressed uh, Republicans to do on Truth Social. What do you make of this? Is this a serious threat? Are we going to be talking about impeachment here in the coming months? What's what's going on? Unfortunately, I think it is a serious threat from the extremes. But this is not what the American people want. This is not what Republicans or Democrats in my constituency are asking for. And there is no evidence to justify it. So I think what people want is to solve their issues, child care, the fact that the rents cost too much, the fact that wages haven't kept up with the cost of living. That's what they want us to do in Congress. And I think it would be a political mistake for the speaker to, to go down that road. I mean, you hear that saying there's no evidence to justify Biden impeachment. This is actually when I know that there's a good chance that Democrats are fearful of what we could find out through impeachment. Well, one of the things that's striking, Jim Acosta is such a propaganda puppet joke. You notice his question. His question does not discuss any facts. It doesn't discuss any evidence. He says, my God, do you think Democrats will dare do this? Oh, my goodness. Rather, Republicans, will they dare come after us? Like, that's not a journalist. And, and what does he do? He, he lets the Democrat congressman say, well, there's no evidence. Really, what is a text from Hunter Biden to a senior communist Chinese official saying, I'm sitting next to my father, pay me millions of dollars or my father will retaliate against you? You know what that is? That is called evidence. So the statement, there is no evidence, is blatantly false. But if Jim Acosta were a reporter, he would point that out. What about the evidence of not one, but two career IRS employees, senior supervisory officials at the IRS who came forward, and, and, and they're not Republicans, they're probably Democrats, who came forward and said, we've seen obstruction of justice and lying under oath. This administration is covering up investigation of Joe Biden's criminality. Is that not evidence? What about a confidential human source coming forward saying Joe Biden and Hunter Biden solicited and received $5 million apiece from a foreign oligarch. Now, none of those perhaps conclusively prove bribery, but it is absurd to say they are no evidence. On their face, they are evidence. And if CNN had even a tiny scintilla of journalistic integrity, number one, they'd fire Jim Acosta because he's a clown. But number two, they would actually talk about facts rather than clutching their pearls and say, how dare anyone inquire into dear leader? 
Senator, this goes perfectly, by the way, to your point that you just made. And for many that may not have seen this, the Washington Post, Philip Bump, who's a, a raging liberal, walked out on an interview when he was asked a tough question. And it's supposed to be a journalist asked a tough question about Joe Biden and the Biden crime family. Take a listen. Do you t- what do you take from the text message to his adult daughter? Uh, hundreds of text messages. I have to give 50% of my income to pop. I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's, 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 I know. It's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what, what, what could it I, mean? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know. Well, did, I appreciate your has anybody Has anybody been. asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like, I, I'm not, I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it, so I have nothing yeah, but, to say you, about it. Yeah, what, but doesn't what do you it, want me to say? Yeah, but you say there's no evidence, no evidence, but then there's a text message where he says, I give pop 50% of my money. That's that's evidence. Okay. Well, what? You, okay. Fine. Fine. So it's evidence. I appreciate you having me on. It doesn't. It, that something like that. Who do you think is being more? I, I listen to that. I'm saying. Am okay, I? Am I? Okay, you, you can free you, to I go. Think, I feel you want me to leave. Like just walk out in the middle of this you because that way you can you like. Can, you can go. Right. Is this a standard? Really? This is the way the Washington Post handles people who disagree yeah, when with I, them. Yeah. When I agree to be on for 45 minutes. Go. Go. And then go. I get on for an hour and 15. Yeah. Go, that after a while go, I go. Go. Thanks go. for having. Isn't it amazing, the timing there? Oh, I got to go. Got to go right now, right? Can't answer that question. You're trying to get me to just look like I'm walking off the set. No, he's trying to get him to answer a question. So, all right, number one, the person questioning him is a guy named Noam Dwarman, uh, who it's, he's on a podcast, and, and he's not a conservative. Uh, Noam Dwarman is, is, is actually a liberal. He's the owner of Comedy uh, Cellar. And so I'm, I'm sure Philip Bump figured, okay, Philip Bump is this left-wing hack for the Washington Post. I'm sure he thought, okay, I'm going to be in a little love fest. No one's going to ask me anything hard. And Philip Bump views his entire job as being the apologist for the regime. So when uh, when Dwarman asks him about the text message of, of, of Hunter expressing frustration that he has to give half of what he makes to Pop, Notice but bumps. I, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. And then, okay, you, you don't know what it means. That's not complicated. It's not subtle. It's not difficult to figure out. And then he says, it's circumstantial evidence. Mr. Bump, you are using words you do not know what they mean. What does the word circumstantial mean? No, actually, it is direct evidence. It is direct evidence. It is, it is the statement from Hunter saying he gave 50% of his money to Pop. That is direct evidence. Circumstantial is... He has twice as much money one day, and then he goes to see his dad, and the next day he has half as much. That would be circumstantial evidence that he gave Pop half the money. When he says, I had to give Pop half the money, that is direct evidence. It may not be true. He could, could, could be telling something that is false. But it is not, in fact, circumstantial evidence. And, and if you actually listen to more of that, that interview, in, in fact, let me read from the transcript of, of this interview. So, so, so Bump gets very upset when he's being pressed, and he says, quote, I just, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to lose my mind. And, and Dwarman press, presses him and asks, quote, is there nothing we can talk about? Half the country believes this stuff. Bump comes back with, quote, I know, because half the country doesn't actually dig into the issues. Dwarman then presses him, says, well, here's your chance to disabuse people. They don't read the Washington Post. And, and Bump comes back and says, there's just no point because all you want to do is have me here as the putative expert so you can present me with things that have been debunked multiple times that I've written about. Dorman asks a very reasonable question. What's been debunked? Bump, 
these these claims. I've written about this, this this argument about his dad calling him. I've written about this. Did you read what I wrote? Dwarman says, it's not debunked. Neither of us were there. Bump, well, I've debunked it in the standpoint that I've already addressed this and presented the counter arguments to it. I want you to pause for a second and think. In the view of the Washington Post, debunked means he's addressed it and presented the counter arguments to it. In other words, if he repeats the talking points of the Biden regime, it's been debunked. The, the, the fact that there are counter arguments doesn't mean it's debunked. It means he's simply arguing the other side. And, and, and then Bump goes on and he, here's what he says. He, he, he says, well, Dwarman says, quote, I have two issues here. One is Joe Biden's behavior and one is the issue of the press. The press actually bothers me more than Joe Biden. Mind you, this is a Democrat saying this. And here's Bump's response. Quote, because you don't listen to the press. I'm sitting here and I'm telling you, you're wrong about these things and you don't listen. And you continue to insist upon things that are, you know, parsing of language. It's just, it's, it's this, this is why I keep saying it's silly. Dwarman says, well... It's a shame because this is a good conversation. And Bump says, it's not a good conversation because you refuse to listen to what I'm saying to you. You asked me on to present evidence. I keep telling you. Dwarman then comes back and says, well, what about what independent journalist Matt Taibbi has reported? And, and Bump says, well, no, no, Taibbi has an agenda. And Dwarman asks, well, do you have an agenda? And Bump admits, and li- listen, to this, li- listen to his explanation. Bump says, quote, I do have an agenda. My agenda is to do my best to try and present accurate information to the public. And I have an institution behind me to hold me to account when I don't do that, which I think is an important consideration. It it really is stunning that, number one, when confronted with facts, a supposed journalist doesn't actually address those facts. When confronted with evidence, he doesn't address the evidence. In fact, he denies the evidence exists. And he claims that because he has parroted the talking points of the White House, even when contradictory, even when contrary to objective facts, that means claims have been debunked. This is why journalism is corrupt. You know, it's striking. The Washington Post, its motto is democracy dies in darkness. I got to say today, the Washington Post, that motto has become a mission statement. It seems like their objective is to kill democracy by ensuring on darkness in every circumstance. One other thing that I do have to laugh about when he acts like he has an institution behind him that's like, you know, checking on him, as he described it, right? With like, you know, I'm held to a higher standard. This is the same Washington Post, to be clear, that still has not, at least to my knowledge, as of a week or two ago when we were talking about this, has still not updated and and fact-checked their own reporting on Russia collusion with Donald J. Trump, which they now know is a lie. Well, not only that, one of the leading Russia, Russia, Russia cheerleaders was Philip Bump. He was eager to say over and over and over again things that now have been debunked, that are now completely false. He was completely uh, taken in by the so-called P-tape that we know was paid for by the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign and is false, but... You know what? The Washington Post won a Pulitzer for their false reporting. And I have to say, given that that reporting played a pivotal role in the election results of 2020, 
you know, it, it is admirable how they engage in election interference and then do not admit when they're wrong. They don't issue a correction. And then in the case of, of, of Philip Bump, they get angry when anyone points out just how wrong they were and when anyone actually points to real facts or real evidence. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let me tell you about our friends at Chalk. If you're a guy and you feel like you've lost that strength and vitality you used to have, that, that the complacency and weakness have been setting in, you want to work out, but you just can't find the energy. You want to get off the couch and be active, but you just can't find the energy. You want to be more active like you used to be, but you cannot find that energy. Well, you're not alone. Testosterone levels have dropped off a cliff historically, and that's where Chalk, my friends at Chalk, are helping real American men just like you maximize your masculinity by boosting your testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. Now, I've been taking the Chalk Male Vitality Stack. You need to check it out right now at Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. And when you go there, you can use my promo code Ben. You're going to get 35% off. And that Male Vitality Stack can help you boost your testosterone levels up to 20% over 90 days. Yes, over 90 days. They're manufactured right here in the U.S. of A. Chalk's natural herbal supplements are clinically proven to have game-changing effects on your energy, your focus, and your mood. So, if you're sick and tired of, of weakness and complacency winning and you're ready to get back to that strength and vitality, go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Use the promo code BEN for 35% off any Chalk subscription for life. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Check out that male vitality stack, promo code BEN. Senator, I also want to deal with uh, COVID. Uh, we were talking about the lies and they seem to be coming back now. Uh, the White House now letting everybody know that Joe Biden is going to start wearing a mask indoors this after Joe Biden has come down with COVID, even though Joe Biden has tested negative for COVID uh, yesterday and the day before and the day before that. 
President Biden tested negative last night for COVID-19 and tested negative again today. He's not experiencing any symptoms. As far as the steps he is taking, since the president was with the first lady yesterday, he will be masking while indoors and around people in alignment with CDC guidance. And he, as, as has been the practice in the past, the president will remove his mask when sufficiently distanced from others indoors and while outside as well. Now, the funny part is, Senator, this is said from the podium at the White House. Moments later, the president is on stage at a ceremony. He's not the appropriate distance the White House says is appropriate from other people. And then he takes his mask off that they just said to everybody he's going to be wearing if he's in close quarters with a lot of different people. And you add that in with a D.C. area elementary school. Montgomery County, Maryland is now reinstating a mass mandate, and the mass mandate isn't just for those little masks. No, no, N95 masks for all their third grader, graders because a few kids tested positive for COVID. They sent out a letter telling parents that these, these masks, these N95 masks, are going to be mandated in class. These masks, they say, have been distributed, and students and staff uh, in identified classes and or activities will be required to mask while in school for at least the next 10 days, except, of course, while eating and drinking. And the masks will become optional, they claim, after the, quote, outbreak has dissipated. Uh, Here it is, mask mandates coming back. Look, this is utterly absurd. Mask mandates are wrong. And for the left, this has become a, a it's a combination of a number number of things. Number one, it's an article of faith. Number two, it's a virtue signal. It shows just how self-righteous they think they are. You know, as I was walking uh, down the halls of the Capitol today, one very prominent Democrat senator was walking along with his N95 mask, and behind him was a staffer wearing his N95 mask. And, and it, it, it shows virtue. But, but number three, it's about control. And, and, and this is all about controlling people, whether it's mask mandates, whether it's vaccine mandates, whether it's having the 437th booster. Enough is enough is enough. This is crap. And no, I look, I recognize. And by the way, a year from now, we are going to see the most deadly covid variant ever seen, the election variant. And before the election, it's they're going to need to shut everything down because they want to have. Uh, mail-in balloting for everyone because they think it helps elect Democrats. Enough is enough is enough. If you want to wear a damn mask, fine. But don't be a hypocrite and don't try to force other people to. And, and all right, listen. So many of the people who listen to this podcast are conservatives, but some are not. Some are open-minded. Some want to hear both sides. So, so, so maybe you think, all right, I'm not going to trust Cruz. I'm not going to trust uh, Ferguson on this. All right, if you don't trust me, Listen to CNN, left-wing CNN confronting Dr. Fauci this past weekend about his false claims about masks. Give a listen. There is a perception out there by many, how many, I don't know, that they don't work and that the data concludes that they didn't work in the first go-round. Respond to that on masks. Yeah, well, that's not so. I mean, when you're talking about at the population level, that the data are less strong than knowing that if you look on a situation as an individual protecting themselves or protecting them from spreading it, there's no doubt that masks work. Different studies give different percentages of advantage of wearing it, but there's no doubt that the weight of the studies, and there have been many studies, indicate the benefit of wearing masks. 
I'm going to refer to one of them. You've heard about it before. I heard about it from a number of radio callers. Uh, Brett Stevens in the Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference. He told the journalist Mayanne Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. When you took at the broad population level, like the Cochrane study, the data are less firm with regard to the effect on the overall pandemic. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an individual's effect on their own safety. That's a bit different than the broad population level. I mean, you hear him there, and even he's being questioned, Fauci, by a guy who's not conservative at CNN. And Smirconis, she's like, well, hold on, I'll, I'll read for you what they say. And yet Fauci's still sitting there, Senator, saying, no, 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 these things work. You're somehow still wrong. Well, look, two things. Number one, Fauci himself knows what he's saying is wrong. And, and if you go back to, to the beginning of COVID, February 5th, 2020, Sylvia Burwell, who was the Secretary of Health and Human Services for three years under Barack Obama, emailed Fauci and asks, asked if she should wear a mask. And by the way, his whole defense was, well, individually it makes sense, just not for society. Here's what Fauci wrote on February 5th of 2020, quote, Masks are not are really for infected people to prevent them from spreading infection to people who are not infected rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. Fauci continues, the typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through material. It might, however, provide some slight benefit to keep out gross droplets if someone coughs or sneezes on you. And he added, quote, I do not recommend that you wear a mask, particularly since you are going to a very low-risk location. That's what he said in 2020. Then he decided that it was politically beneficial to mandate that everyone had to wear a mask. And yet now, look, the second point I'd make, the fact that CNN is turning on this, in the height of the pandemic, the words that you just played from CNN, they would not utter. There was no brooking dissent from whatever St. Fauci said, whatever the mandate was, mass today, not mass tomorrow, mass the next day, you couldn't disagree. The fact that even CNN is turning, I think, is significant. I think if the Biden administration tries another round of shutdowns and mask mandates, I think a lot of the country is going to say no and hell no. I'll tell you, the state of Texas has zero interest in shutting down. And and I... I, I uh, I think you're going to see resistance not just in Texas, but all over the country. 
Yeah, I think you're right. And the other thing that worries many people is this, the president and this idea that we could go back into some sort of government shutdown. There was that awkward interview that he did with Kamala Harris far away from him, the social distancing uh, back in the early days of COVID in his administration, sitting next to, you know, far away from David Muir's interview and them in a weird triangle. And he said he would have no problem if the scientists told him to to shut down our entire economy. I would be prepared to do whatever it takes to save lives because we cannot get the country moving until we control the virus. That is the fundamental flaw of this administration's thinking to begin with. In order to keep the country running and moving and the economy growing and people employed, you have to fix the virus. You have to deal with the virus. So if the scientists say shut it down, I would shut it down. I would listen to the scientists. I mean, that's apparently still on the table. And if they bring the mask back, we're, we're, I mean, how far away are we from having another fall where they start shutting things down? And what should the American people do? Look. The, the, the Democrats want to shut it down. They want to impose mandates. And I got to say, one of the biggest lies of that exchange is I would listen to the scientists. The only scientists that he listens to are the ones who say what he wants to hear. You know, the very last podcast we did, we did a two part episode with an interview with Dr. Phil. And one of the interesting things, look, Dr. Phil has been the number one ranked daytime TV host for a decade. And, and, and he talked about how the data are that the school shutdowns from COVID cost many, many more lives than the virus would have cost. In other words, listen to the scientists. The Democrats aren't listening to the scientists because if they did, they'd look at the harm from the shutdowns. They'd look at the harm from businesses shut down. They'd look at the harm from churches shut down. They'd look at the harm from schools shut down. The kids who face learning loss for the rest of their life. They'd look at the mental health uh, numbers that have gone up. They'd look at the kids who didn't go to school and didn't have physical wellness checks, didn't have mental health checks, didn't have uh, daily food because for low-income kids, for many of them, their principal source of food is at school. They didn't have the counselors who could observe whether kids are subject to physical abuse or sexual abuse because when they shut down schools, they sent them at home and 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 the data, what Dr. Phil told us, and if you didn't listen to those two podcasts, you got to go back and listen to them. But what Dr. Phil said on this podcast was that the data show that many, many more lives were lost because of the shutdowns. But the Democrats don't want to listen to the scientists. They have a political agenda, so they'll cherry pick whatever scientists repeat the politically favored outcome that support the result they want anyway. I want to ask you one last question about states and what states need to do to prepare for this. But first, let me tell you about Patriot Mobile. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, there's only one. The team at Patriot Mobile are incredible because not only do they support shows just like this, but they are proud to partner with conservatives. Patriot Mobile offers you dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. And when you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a clear message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, 
and are military, veterans, and first responder heroes. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, which makes switching easy. You get to keep your phone number if you want to. You get to keep your phone or upgrade, and the team will help you find the best plan for your needs, and many times that can save you big money. But when you make calls, you're supporting the values you believe in instead of giving your money to woke corporations. So just go to patriotmobile.com slash verdict. That's patriotmobile.com slash verdict, or call them to make the switch, 878-PATRIOT. You're going to get free activation, 878-PATRIOT, when you use the promo code VERDICT. Join me and make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash verdict, or 878-PATRIOT, use the promo code VERDICT. Senator, last question for you. What do you think states should be doing? Because Texas has banned the mask mandates as COVID restrictions are being imposed in other states. There's a Newsweek headline. It says a ban on COVID-19 restrictions that imposed a mandate to wear face masks in public spaces went into effect in Texas after a number of institutions across the U.S. reinstated the policy due to a rise in new infections fueled by the emergence of two new variants of the virus. Now, that's the gist of this. But Texas is saying, hey... We're going to stand up to this type of insanity. Do other people need to be calling their legislators and asking for the same thing? Look, absolutely yes. Listen, states need to embrace common sense. States need to defend liberty. States need to defend individual choice. If someone wants to wear a mask, knock yourself out. You you can still, you know, I, I flew from, from Texas to D.C. today. There were still a handful of people in the airport that choose to wear a mask. Okay, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. You've got an individual choice. You can, you can wear a, a ski mask if you want. That's your choice. But government shouldn't be forcing people to wear a mask. Airlines shouldn't be forcing people to make a ma- wear a mask. Airports shouldn't be forcing people to wear a mask. Restaurants shouldn't be forcing people to wear a mask. Nobody should be forcing anyone to wear a mask. And even more so, governors and states need to say not just no, but hell no to the shutdowns. We will look back in the future, years in the future, we will look back and say, what in the hell did America do shutting much of the country down for a year or more? Many parts of the country, almost all Democrat parts of the country, shut businesses down, shut churches down, shut schools down. Many schools, tens of millions of kids were out of school for over a year. And the consequence was cataclysmic. It, it, it is, without exaggeration, the most catastrophic public policy decision of our lifetimes. And, and so states need to say, we're not going down that road again. No, we're not going to do it. Look, you know the school shutdowns were bad when Randy Weingarten, the head of one of the big teachers unions, is now suddenly claiming, I wasn't for school shutdowns, despite the fact that she fought relentlessly for school shutdowns and caused Democratic politicians to, to jump on a string when she demanded it. Now even she's running away from it. States need to stand up and say, we're not shutting anything down. Look, if, if there's another public health crisis, and at some point there will be, protect people who are vulnerable, work to provide treatment options, give people advice on how to keep safe, but respect their individual liberty and don't engage in arbitrary shutdowns and mandates. The mandates are wrong. Say no to the mandates. 
Yeah, great point. Senator, as always, good to be back with you after the holiday. Don't forget, if you missed our two-part series with um, Dr. Phil, make sure you go back and listen to that. And also, as you know, hit that subscribe, auto-download button. Uh, We do the show Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And in between those days, make sure you download my podcast, Ben Ferguson Podcast. I will keep you updated on my podcast and those in-between days as well. So download the Ben Ferguson Podcast as well. We'll see you back here in a couple of days. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.